Hello everyone, I'm Jeff Moss, and along with Tim Coleman and Tyler J. Thomas, we are going to discuss life. This is The Three Tumblers. somewhat controversial and tell any and all locksporters that picking locks is a very tiny part of being an actual locksmith. It's a very useful skill to have for sure, but certainly it's not required to be a locksmith. Just because you can pick a lock, take it apart, and put it back together again doesn't mean that's all there is to locksmithing. Picking locks is less than one half of one percent of what locksmiths do. And maybe it's a little bit more. If you're doing a lot of lockouts and that's the majority of your work, then you're going to be doing more lock picking. Uh, but if you're doing, you know, commercial residential service installations, you could go a week without having to pick anything. Um, you know, if you're doing access control or installing security cameras or alarms, you know, the only time you might ever have to pick something is if the control cabinet is locked and you don't have a key. You know, even in the shop, most of the locks that people bring in, they have a key for it. So picking you know, I could go a day or two without having to pick anything. I don't even remember seeing picks in Tyler's shop. You know, they're doing high security stuff. Tim, since you're really the only one of us who's truly in the field every day, what say you about picking and how often you actually break them out? Okay, so when I first started, I thought that picking locks would be something I would do daily. Uh, and then I went on my very first lockout call, still riding with the boss. You know, Jason and I go to an office building that's just up the street from our shop. It was probably about a week and a half after I first started. And we get up there and it's a little, you know, office door that had a Schlage F-Series lever on it. And I picked 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 and nothing happened. And so I picked the entire time that Jason took the elevator down to the parking lot, went out to the truck, got the under the door tool and came back in. But picking really is a uh, it, it is a skill that if you have it before you start as a locksmith, um, like you were saying about the, the time between picking uh, does make a difference. If you don't use it, you lose it. So uh, it's a good skill to have. Obviously, because if you don't have to damage anything in order to open a lock, then you're you're doing great by the customer and, and great by yourself. And uh, sometimes it's, you know, kind of your only option. Um, and I actually have a question for you, Jeff, because uh, you're the only one of the three of us who does automotive. What uh, do you pick any automotive like ignitions or or door cylinders or anything? Or how does that compare to regular uh, residential or commercial pin tumblers? We don't do we don't do any automotive unlocking. People have to bring the lock into us if we need to rekey it. Um, and if they don't have a key, most automotive locks, once it's out, you don't have to pick. You know, that that sort of leads into the next um there are some that have to be drilled because there's a sidebar. So if you don't have a key, you can't pick it and get it apart. You're, unless you have tryout keys or something like that, or there's a code and you can make the existing key. But you know, you're not going to pick a GM sidebar door lock. 
even if it's at, you know in the bench or or in the door. Um, but bypassing, you know, shimming, I would put drilling last. You know, if there's a actual failure, you know, then you can drill and replace the cylinder. But typically, shimming I do every day because if somebody brings in a defiant lock where you don't need a key to take it apart, you still got to shim it to rekey it. I do that way more than I have to pick anything. You know, an F series lever that, that doesn't have a key, then you'd have to pick that or use a leashy. But so I would say that shimming is something I do more than picking. You know, there's, as you call them, the parlor tricks. You know, oh, just walk up to the door and use a traveler's hook or a piece of film. And most of that doesn't have real life uses. I will say the under the door tool definitely comes in handy. Some of the more uh, devious things that are being thrown out there on YouTube are not actually used by professional locksmiths. I I, I have to interject in there just really quick before Tyler says something. Uh, I love it when I can use my shrum tool to open a door in like two seconds. I, I always take that on a lockout, uh, no matter what it is. I take that and all commercial lockouts. As soon as I get out of the truck, I've got uh, my under the door tool with me. That's all I've got to say. Yeah, well, I mean, all I was going to say is he, he's right. If you don't use it, you lose it. And I had a neighbor come up to the shop a few weeks ago. I think I told you guys about this, and he just had an F-Series, and I haven't picked in years. And uh, that thing whipped my ass. So I had to get up on a ladder, two-story ladder, go up two stories to get to his um, his bathroom window to get in because I felt bad for the guy. I didn't want to drill it and destroy his lock. But he said, I think it's unlocked. I said, well... You know, I'm 36. He's about 76. I was like, well, let me get up there and help him. And uh, yeah, that'll knock your dick in the dirt if you don't do it regularly. But we never do it regularly. We do have a kit. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, but uh, it doesn't matter if uh, you don't know how to use it, I guess. Yeah. I, and, and here's a p- counterpoint. Is going through a open window considered a bypass? <laughs> or is well, it you're just... bypassing the security yeah. of the... Yeah. building i mean we, the the one and only uh lockout that i like tyler was just saying i couldn't pick the f-series lock on it and i tried like four different doors couldn't get into the damn place and the guy said hey i think i've got a uh, unlocked window on the second story and i've got a ladder out here and i said hey go for it you know no charge go for it and uh he did and i walked away with no money up next there can be some big differences between sitting in your comfy chair picking locks and picking them out in the field. Tim will explain. Back in the day, I spent way too much time sitting around the house picking locks. Yeah, I got pretty damn good at it but none of that prepared me for picking in the wild. Like I just said, when you have a customer standing over your shoulder or anyone else watching, it can be a real distraction and leads you to performance anxiety. After all, even Bosnian Bill called some locks camera shy. But are there other factors too? Like, has the lock been lubricated in the past 10 years? Are there broken springs or debris in the cylinder plug? And when you can't pick it, what's your backup plan? You know, like I just said, the first time that I went on a lockout call, it took me forever and I still wasn't able to pick it. 
Uh, I had a lockout failure where I wasn't able to pick a guy's house open. Um, so the question is, is what leads us to have those failures? Because even a quick set deadbolt, and I'm not talking about quick set smart key, but just a regular quick set pin tumbler deadbolt can, which you shouldn't be picking a deadbolt for lockout anyway. That's another discussion. But, you know, just a regular quick set cylinder uh, can pose challenges. Like, is it mounted pins down? Tyler, when you were in the field running lockouts, did you ever run into the dreaded pins down uh, quick set or or Schlage or or any other supposedly easy to pick lock that was just mounted the wrong way that you weren't used to? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, a lot. Uh, but more more so the uh, four hundred series, the Tylo knobs. You know, the ones where you need the pickle tool to get into. Those were always up uh, upside down. Deadbolts, not so much. Well, yeah, the deadbolts, not so much, but the Tylo knobs, because people didn't know to swap the cylinder around, you know, use the pickle fork and uh, take it out, turn it upside down. What about things like uh, corrosion and, you know, just being exposed to the weather? You know, it's on the south side of the house down here. If anything's on the south side of the house or or southwest facing side of the house, it's going to be a lot worse, right? That can be a real pain, you know, with... uh the salt that's used here and people bring in, uh, say they get a, a used truck that has a locking trailer hitch or a piece of landscaping equipment, something that's on a trailer that's been exposed to the elements. A lot of the automotive lock failures that we see are from vehicles where they never use the remote. They Sorry, they always use the remote. So the actual lock gets solidified, basically. Uh, and you have to, I did one last week. It was a a Ford tailgate lock where the customer brought the cylinder in. It was fairly easy to get apart. It, it was basically all fused together in one solid piece. It wasn't worth tearing it apart. But those sorts of things with with salt, road grime, potholes that don't get filled, the locks get pretty abused, and that makes picking, you know, you'll give it five, ten minutes to try to get the trailer hitch off, and if you can't pick it, pretty much your only option is to drill it or cut it. I, I don't know what it is about the F-Series. Uh, we've worked with them a ton, but it, it's got a weird material. I don't know if it's Zymac or if it's whatever it's based. It's not brass. And it holds corrosion differently than the rest, where you really have to lubricate the shit out of it because tolerances aren't the best. I mean, you know, it's just standard Schlage, five-pin, six-pin maybe, residential, it's a pain in the ass sometimes, especially when they've been sitting, like you said, for 10 years, five years, whatever it may be, without any TLC, and you attempt to pick it. And like I was just saying with that F-Series, I, I asked him when it was installed. It was the original F-Series where it was one piece. You didn't have the collapsible Bible. So I knew it had been there for a long time, and I lubricated the shit out of that thing, and I could not get any sort of feedback on it. Yeah, I've had those before, too. Like They're just so bound up, and and you you don't get any type of feedback. And, you know, I know some, I, I've heard some locksmiths say that it's because of the little T-pins that they use uh, for the collapsible Bible uh, cylinders. But um, I think it's just the material and just the way that they were formulated in general. Um, it's actually easier to pick like a, a aftermarket or Schlage original uh, regular cylinder than it is an F-series. Um, and to what Jeff was saying, 
I had a customer just the other day came in and he had a, a boat at a little uh, boat shop, just literally three doors up from our shop. And uh, he said that the key wouldn't work in it. It was a brand new boat. And so he asked me to go up there and check it out. And I took the key that he gave me, went up there and uh, the wafers, it was just a wafer lock. And uh, the wafers were so corroded that they wouldn't even move. I mean, I sprayed like half a gallon of Houdini in there and they still wouldn't move with me raking. And I told him, I said, you know, if the boat dealership that sold this to you uh, is offering to send you a new lock, I would do that. And then we can try to figure out to replace it because on a 2023 model boat, your keys should work in every cylinder there is. Uh, and this sort of brings me around to my next point, which is if you can't get the lock picked, what's your backup plan? Do you drill it? Do you do another bypass? You know, Jeff, you were kind of talking about that. What's uh, like in any type of situation, whether you're in the shop or, um, you know, if if you're doing something in the field, if you can't get a lock to pick that you need picked, what's your next course of action typically? Well, I mean, before I, you get to drill, you make sure that we actually have something to replace it with. Um, it, it's, you know, I'd say you give it 15 minutes, a half hour or so. And if you can't do it, then, you know, you call the customer and say, these are the options in the field. You know, it's different because I'm not out there, but. Time is money, and if it they can't get it into in five ten minutes, then they're probably just going to drill and replace. And when they go out there, they make sure that they have the replacement ahead of time, just to be sure. Like I said, I don't know if there's any hard and fast rule. Yeah, or or at least have something that you can put in there temporarily. Uh, Tyler, what about you? Uh, when when you were out on you know out on the road, uh, what was your like? How did you approach it if you couldn't? pick something did you look for the ladder to climb in through the window or was it you know did you have something else that you would try i, I would always find alternative methods whether it was loading the latch looking for an alternative entry sometimes a window uh commercial uh fucking opening up ceiling tiles and going over what really guided me the most is that i was worried that we had been or they had been quoted a price and um through maybe no fault of my own, but I couldn't get it open. So I felt kind of bad for him and, and thought, you know what, let's still try to make it work. Even if it's a little bit added labor, that's better than added parts. So I never liked drilling. Like Jeff said, you got to make sure you've got it on your, your truck. Otherwise it's a repeat trip, you know, especially with some of these older ones, you know, you got a Duranotic or a bronze mortise cylinder. Uh, you got the right keyway, but you don't got the right finish. So that's a repeat trip. The job's not done. Dispatcher's going to hate you because, you know, the job should have been done. Now you've got to go back, adds time to the schedules, things like that. I would always look towards alternatives, find ways to make it work, uh, even if it took 30 minutes more, because at least it's satisfied and complete with that one trip. You guys remember last year, uh, it was about, actually right out a year ago. Uh, my boss was out of town for a couple weeks, and I had a uh, commercial, it was an NSP job, and it was swapping out interchangeable cores for the entire uh, corporate retail place. And 
they didn't have a control key for about a dozen of them. And I had to drill them out. You guys remember that? Maybe. Vaguely. Kind of. I think they were. I've, I've I think slept they were, since then. Well, and and you and I have both been drunk since then. So, uh, but no, it was, I think it was Keymark or something. Um, something of that nature. But I had to drill like 12 cylinders. And with the very first one, Tyler, I remember you saying, you know, holy shit, you murdered that one. And then by the end of it, I had it down to just a, a eighth inch hole in just the right spot. And I was able to get through it. So, yeah, I mean, drilling, I, I hate to drill, but I've actually gotten fairly decent when I have to drill, not just for, you know, like interchangeable cores, but uh, I had one the other day where it was a quick set electronic deadbolt had completely shit the bed on this lady. And I had to drill and I had drilled for the uh, through bolts and I hit them head on and it just fell off the damn door. And I, she was okay with that. She said, whatever you have to do. And I would prefer to have just a regular mechanical deadbolt on the door after this. Jeff, yeah, my co my coworker did a smart key lockout recently and he just drilled for the dead drilled for the screws. And I mean, since I've learned how to drill, Drill for the through bolts. That's uh, that's been eye opening. I I don't like to drill, obviously, and it also makes me wonder: Can I get hardened steel through bolts for my dead bolts at home? I'm sure Tyler so, knows this. Uh, if you ball, had a medical, you'd, yeah. yeah, you'd have ball bearings there. They put yeah, ball bearings, right. and, ball uh, bearings in the end of the screws, and multi lock as well. I think. Yeah, well, all, all, also have all of them. They have. I'll have yeah. slag, I'm sure. I, hmm. I, need, I can do that. I've got maybe. some balls if you want them. Um, I think we need to take that conversation offline, Tyler. <laughs> All right. There's always one time that every lock can be picked in the field. Tyler is up next to explain it all to us. past 20 years or so, criminal prosecutors have needed to educate jury members about a thing called the CSI effect. Basically tell them that there's no such thing as instant DNA, a magic laser pointing to where the shooter was standing, or a reflection in the street sign. But according to cinematic research, locks all can be picked in a matter of seconds, and usually with only one tool. Boy, how many times have we heard that at lockouts? Oh, the movies do it faster. Faster in the movies. Uh, let's start out with this block, I'm just going to talk about times that it's been demonstrated in cinema, TV, and even video games. So let's start out with uh, movies and TV. And a very special thank you to Anthony on Twitter for sending us a YouTube playlist showing a ton of these. Some I knew about, but didn't know a lot about. Uh, number two, or number one, damn, I'm drunk. I said number two because it's Terminator 2. But number one, when I posted the link on Twitter last night asking for recommendations, Terminator 2 came to mind because it's my favorite. Basically, it's uh, Sarah Connor picking a lock using modified paper clips. Uh, the pick looks like a modified quad rake of sorts. If you look at the movie, you can kind of see what I'm talking about. She also has a tension wrench, uh, which is basically just a flattened paper clip. So I don't 
know how well that would work. I've used something similar, but it appears in the movie it's a Schlage cylinder, possibly a B560, maybe 562. But uh, I don't know how well that would work. But nevertheless, it's um, it's pretty realistic as far as I know. Uh, aside from example number four, uh, one of the earliest accounts presentations of legitimate lock picking. Have either of y'all seen this movie and this scene? You know what I'm talking about? I've seen the movie, but I've not watched it in years. Uh, but you're making me want to watch it now. That and all it, the reports about AI coming out. Yeah, it's basically when uh, uh, her son and the Terminator come to rescue her. Uh, she's coincidentally planning her breakout at that moment and um, she picks a lock with some modified paper clips but pretty realistic uh, number two Midnight Run Robert De Niro's character Jack Walsh uses a tension wrench and a snap pick which is the predecessor of a pick gun have either of y'all seen a snap pick I have not seen a snap pick I am familiar with the pick gun I've seen there's, some, uh, there's a guy on YouTube who the locksmith in uh, Saudi Arabia Yono or JPV lock fixer He's got some homemade snap tools that he did way back when out of like springs and things. Yeah, there, there's uh, there was an old lock picking book that had a, a snap pick on the cover, uh, but it, basically it was the predecessor of the pick gun. With the with a snap a snap pick, you had to use your finger each time with a pick gun you're using the trigger. Um, but he attempts to pick a lock before being shot at. <laughs> He's picking the lock, and he, I think he drops a pick or something. And he bends down, and while that happens, the gun blast goes through the door and shoots over his head. Uh, number three, Sherlock Holmes, the Robert Downey Jr. version. Uh, another example of someone trying to pick a lock before somebody destroys the door. This time, he's uh, using something, instead of picks, what they call a flim set. Are either of y'all familiar with a flim set? Flim set is what they used for bloodletting back in the day. And the it, it looks like, um, you know, those pick sets where you've got multiple in one and you rotate them in and out and then you set the, the handle to decide which one you're going towards. And, and it kind of looks almost like a, a, a similar set for warded locks, but it's it's actually a flim set. So he's using that and an individual tool, which I guess is an individual flim tool uh, as the tension wrench. But um, yeah, it was very interesting. In that case, he wasn't able to pick the door. Somebody kicked, you know, kicked it down before he could. But um, yeah, that was another good example of, of lock picking. I just Googled those images and uh, now I see what you're talking about. It's yeah. uh, kind of like when I, I think there's a set of like either jiggler keys or uh, uh, what is it? Bypass keys for warded locks. The the warded uh, bypass set where yeah, it's kind of like a feeler gauge. Almost. Basically what it looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Number four. Beverly Hills Cop. Axel Foley uses a legitimate pick, actually two of them, but he only picks one of them, and a tension wrench to pick a gate lock. The most realistic part of this scene is that he's being harassed and talked to the entire time, just like a typical lockout. In this case, it's his peers. It's his, his partner and then somebody else from the department saying, don't go in there, you can be arrested. And he's like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> Number five, the locksmith, which came out this year. I haven't seen this one, but uh, Wow Real Bad on Twitter said there's at least two instances of picking in it, but it put him to sleep, so he couldn't count the whole total. <laughs> I, I actually saw the trailer. 
you guys know like uh, what they used to do at Defcon with the Gringo Warrior. They'd have a, a tree kind of of various locks mounted, and you would pick them and whatever, and got points. And the, the trailer shows him like, I guess training to be a locksmith again. He's picking one, 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 and then timing himself. It looks fucking stupid, but that's it. Have either of y'all seen that movie? I have not. No, I've I heard it was terrible. Sport. Well, maybe we need to watch that. Maybe that could be a future live stream. We will watch it and pick it apart. We we could do a uh, a group watch, like a live uh, watch party. There we go. That's the term. I get it. Pick it apart. Mm-hmm. Number six, speaking of Twitter, David Beecher mentioned U.S. Marshals, where Robert Downey Jr., his character uses the side frame of a pair of sunglasses to open handcuffs while on a plane, I believe. Um, basically sticks it in there and jiggles around a little bit, and the handcuffs are open. Uh, probably wouldn't work, huh? Uh, depends on how, uh, how thick that piece of metal is. I don't know. I'm not good at picking handcuffs, actually. Never had to do it. Me either. Um, I would like to add one to your list. Uh, NCIS. A bunch of episodes that I've seen where they have lockpicking scenes, uh, they actually do use a, a tensioner and a pick. Uh, so it is actually... I, they're using the correct tools in the correct fashion. On the opposite of that, my dad and I like to watch Mission Impossible and 90% of the stuff from the 60s and 70s like they're showing... You know, they pick it with one tool, they take a mold of a key, and then they inject some resin and make a key for some safe deposit box. Like, it, it's it's um, entertaining because you know that what they're doing isn't legit, um, but it's definitely none of the stuff they did would work, which I guess, in a way, it's good because they're not showing people the real way to do it. That was always the theory that early on, or at least in some of these modern ones, that they weren't showing how to do it correctly because of the liability, showing people how to do it. But I, I, I don't know how that would ever hold up in a court of law, especially considering what's all available to anyone right now. Um, but they're getting better, I guess. Outside of Hollywood, video games have gotten into the action, with some even incorporating lock picking and other forms of bypass into mini games. I think the most well-known version or instance is Skyrim, uh, which actually had a mini-pick game uh, to unlock lock chests. And it does take skill. You had to, and I'm just relaying the game instructions here, you had to rotate the lock and rotate the pick to perform a successful opening. And the neat little feature here is that if you were too heavy-handed, you could break your pick, so you had to start over you could break your pick a million times, and it, by some happenstance, you had uh, a million and one picks available to you. Uh, for a while, I know on lockpicking101.com and other Discord chats since then, uh, it's kind of been a meme, the, the images of that. If you've seen a video game lockpicking image or meme, it's, it's almost certainly coming from Skyrim. Uh, number two, Elder Scrolls IV, Oblivion also fixtures a lock-picking minigame of varying levels. Uh, if you can imagine a 2D picture of a lock cut in half, showing the pins, springs, keyway, all that, uh, that is this game, and you basically attempt to single-pin pick these locks open. There are a few details wrong with a lock, but hey, it's, it's pretty damn close. Uh, number three, Splinter Cell series. 
This feature is probably the most realistic adaptation depiction of lock picking in a video game I've ever seen. You basically got a 3D view of a lock and you have to single pin pick it. It's very detailed and accurately detailed. You've got a hook pick, a tension wrench, you've got two sets of pin, top and bottom spring, you've got the plug illustrated. And you go from, from back to front, which isn't always gonna be the case, but I mean, yeah, that's pretty damn close. Have either of you seen any of these instances? Am I just talking out of my butt? The last uh, video game that I ever played was SOCOM. Hmm. So that tells you how long ago it was. And it was on a PS3 before there was a PS4. Yeah. I, well, I've just started playing again, which brings me to point number four. Great segue. Wolfenstein, The New Order. Uh, again, it was another mini game, but this time showing what from the outside looks like a dimple key. And for some strange reason, you have to pry the top escutcheon off with a knife to see the chamber holes, which also rotate. So you're rotating the plug against the shell or the housing or whatever it may be. I don't know. Also, in a previous Wolfenstein, to bypass any of the electronic locks, you had to uh, connect live wires three times in rapid succession to get it open. So maybe not the most accurate. I mean, you could do that with an electric strike if you can get to those wires. You could, but in this case, the, the guy just punched it off and got the wires both green and then touched them together. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, hell, I think between the three of us, we could do some serious damage to some places. <laughs> that's neither here nor there. Uh, but kudos to him because it, it, it shows the right tension wrench and kind of pick for a dimple lock which is what it's depicting so it's pretty accurate as far as what you need just not necessarily how you do it uh, number five call of duty black ops 2 not a mini game but if you just press f jeff press f he's smiling uh if you press, press f, to f pay respects you do press f in this case but the player instead of paying respects uses a pick gun a tension wrench and they do rotate the plug 360 degrees to open whatever door you're in front of. So that's kind of neat. And then number three, kind of what uh, Jeff was talking about with Mission Impossible. Let's talk about bad examples of lock picking. Uh, number one, MacGyver, which is my favorite. Growing up, I wanted to be MacGyver. But in any season you watch, he uses various blades from a Swiss Army knife. And those blades alone to pick everything he encounters. I would like to say that uh, Mythbusters actually did a MacGyver special episode, and they, I th if I remember correctly, they did test uh, some of the lock picking, and I believe they made uh, pick tools out of wire filament from a light bulb, and they were able to get it to work, but overall they busted every single myth from MacGyver, which I, I'm like you. I grew up watching MacGyver and I wanted to be MacGyver, uh, even though I wasn't allowed to have a Swiss Army knife. Well, I mean, I, from what I can recall, first season, there's a like a Spanish Vila and there's an obvious deadbolt. He just sticks that big ass blade in there, turns it, opens it up. And I remember Jake, who works with me now at the previous shop we worked at, said, you know, that's all bullshit. It, it, we can never work like that. And I actually was able to take the, the the scissors that are in Swiss Army knives and use one of the blades. I was actually able to open a wafer lock using just that blade as the pick and the tension tool to say, hey, far-fetched and certainly not possible with some keyways, but 
that shit can work. And look here. And then he shut up real quick. I'm going to try that. Next time I have like a, a desk furniture lockout, I'm going to take the smallest blade on my knife and, and just wiggle it in there. And wig- and wiggle charge him like Charge him like 150 bucks. No, Tell me you learned really. it from MacGyver. Yeah. Uh, number two, Dexter. Uh, there's an episode in a scene where he just sticks the, the pick and the tension wrench into the lock. And uh, the damn thing automatically opens. Imagine if that could happen with us. We'd make millions, huh? Uh, number three, and probably uh, the, the best one I can think of. Uh, the feds are trying to wiretap uh, Tony's house. This is later episodes, later seasons. They stick a pick gun, or the character sticks a pick gun into the lock, but only the tip, maybe the first chamber at most. They stick it in, they pull the trigger once, and then they rotate the entire damn gun as if it were rotating the plug. It's always just the tip. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I want to add something. Actually, I wrote this down before we even started. Uh, you can see me writing it, handwriting into my uh, copy of the outline there. Uh, Jeff stole it from me about Mission Impossible because I'm a huge fan of the original series. But I recently rewatched uh, a couple of the newer ones. And I want to say that where they've got the little automatic, like computer controlled picks that they just stick into the keyway and the screen shows, you know, lifting all the pins and everything to the shear line and it does it and like, how fucking cool would that be to have? I mean, you talk about making millions. You have something that you can put into any keyway and it analyzes it and does it and turns it all and, and boom. About 10 years ago, I used to do that in my head based off of feel, but uh, like we said, you, you don't use it, you lose it. Well, I mean, not just feel, but I was kind of joking earlier when you were talking about Terminator and uh, I said something about wanting to watch it because of all the stories about AI coming out. Wouldn't it be interesting if you could have like some sort of AI uh, application or, or analyzer or whatever to determine bidding so that you can say, okay, this lock is on this building with this keyway, uh, come up with five possibilities and it just goes through the math and and possible pinning charts based on the system and the key system and and whatnot and says okay here you go here are your five most probable keys that will work well chat gpt is free so why don't you get on it start teaching them i might try that jeff any uh final video points video games when you and I were starting, at least on Lockpicking 101, it would always be a thread every once in a while. Somebody said, oh, this is unrealistic. Or, oh, this is stupid. Uh, before we end, I just want to say thank you to everybody that uh, responded on Twitter. Well, I only gave you about 24 hours of notice. Actually, maybe less than 12. So uh, we got a good few number of responses. I appreciate that. I appreciate the, uh, the list, Anthony, and, and the feedback from the rest of you all. Uh, so with that said, y'all want to know some more random stuff about us? Well, Tim's going to ask the questions coming up next. All right, here we go, folks. Another round of random questions beginning right now. Question number one. Which do you prefer, an action movie or a funny movie? Jeff. Funny movie. Tyler. 
funny movie. I'll agree. I, I was wrong on my bet with myself about you guys' answer. Yeah, funny. For sure. All right, question number B. Tyler, what is your drink of choice? Alcohol or non-alcohol? Yes. No, alcohol, Coors Light. And non-alcohol, I am a big fan of Dr. Pepper. Jeff. Diet Coke. I drink either water or liquor on the rocks. All right, question Roman numeral three. What's your favorite genre of music? Jeff. Classic rock. Tyler. That's a good choice, but I'm going to go with heavy metal. I'm kind of an 80s pop type of guy, like as far as, as my most favorite. Did you find a spare part in your pocket this week, or are you just happy to hear us? Stay tuned. So what's left over from this week? Tim, what if, what do you got this week? I found a penny in an exit device yesterday. It was just a <laughs> door... What I was going to say is um, in college, people would put a penny in between the door and the frame and it would basically lock somebody into their room. I was wondering where it was in the, in the uh, apparatus. It was, sorry, it was in the, uh, in the head unit, um, but it was just a doormatic, like rim, you know, exit device on a... Uh, interior door leading to a, a medical office lobby um, but yeah that's what i got tyler what's your spare part mm, i'm to go eat some good barbecue i can't wait for that i haven't been looking forward to a party in forever because i'm old and don't like to leave my house but uh, the barbecue's involved so Woo! Woo! hold on wait 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 hold on hold on wait 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 barbecue I don't really have a spare part, but my birthday is on Wednesday, so. Oh, we'll have barbecue. <laughs> I'd, like to, know how, I'd like to know how you're doing those sound effects while your mic is muted. Because Tyler J. Thomas is the executive producer, and he, it, it, I, this new program that we have, he found this. Folks, you are not safe. So are the sound effects coming from the microphone program or from our recording program? From the recording program. Uh, well, as always, if you have any hate mail or love letters for us, write them on a watermelon and email it to the3tumblerspod at gmail.com. Or tag us on Twitter at 3TumblersPod. The executive producer is Tyler J. Thomas. I'm your technical producer, Jeff Moss. Our writer and editor is Tim Coleman. Our travel agent is Lois Fair. Studio repair technician is Slow and Cranky. Public opinion pollster is Paul Murky of Murky Research. And our chief legal counsel is Hugh Lewis Dewey of Dewey, Cheatham, and Howe, otherwise known to the other bums on MARTA as Huey Louie Dewey. Save your change. He no Marta. Have good weekend. <laughs> your face. You sounded like a chair party. Tim yeah. Lewis. Back in the day, I spent way too much time. Sp- <laughs> <laughs>
jerking off. <laughs> but it's catered by a barbecue company, and Ooh. I am looking forward to tearing some shit up. Then record. Uh, mm-hmm. Boom. This has been a Three Tumblers production, Season 1, Copyright 2023, All Rights Reserved. Find this episode and others wherever you get your podcasts.